0: Well, welcome this morning as we start our our marriage series or our relationship series called Meant to Be. We just finished up the greatest series and talked about how you can have the greatest year of your life. And this year we're going to, I mean, right now today we're going to talk about Meant to Be. and, And there's relationships that God's given us and they're meant to go a certain way. And they're meant to be a certain way. But the reality is, is that sometimes we find ourselves in the midst of relationships and they aren't like we thought they were meant to be, right? Sometimes relationships, and I know it's just sometimes that relationships get a little sticky and tricky, right? But God intended for us to have healthy relationships. And so we want to take the next five weeks and talk to you about marriage and sex and talk to you about relationships and being single and dating and not that if you're married that the single part doesn't apply to you you can't be single again and you can not start you can start dating your wife again but not anybody so anyway so we're going to be talking about that for the next couple of weeks and so i just encourage you to be here through the whole thing as one week's going to build on the next so i want to go back this morning to genesis and i want to i want to look at adam for a minute and, and I want to show you something in Adam, because today we're talking about attraction. Attraction. And God, I believe this, that God has given us a gift called attraction. Mm-hmm. Amen? And it's, it's, it's a good gift. <laughs> oh, yeah, this message is just for you. <laughs> attraction is a good gift. Attraction is something natural that God put inside of you that is supposed to come out. Okay, so in other words, there's supposed to be something that gets your attention that causes your eyes to go, whoa, right? There's an attraction there. And so I want to show you Adam and this attraction gift in Genesis chapter 2, verse 20. Let me pray real quick before we start. Father, just open our hearts, open our minds. Lord, I pray against every lie we've ever believed. Everything that anybody's ever tried to put on us, anything that the enemy's tried to twist our thinking about, I just come against that right now. And, Lord, I ask you for an open heaven to come into an open heart and an open mind this morning. And so, Lord, I pray we leave here today with with just a better ability to have relationships, with a better understanding and with the truth firmly in our hands. In Jesus' name. Amen. So Genesis chapter two, starting in verse 20. So God created the world and the earth and everything in it. And he did all those things. And then he, he took the dust of the ground and he formed a man and he breathed life into it and he gave him the name Adam. And then he created a garden for Adam to live in and gave Adam a few rules about the garden. But he said, Adam, I want you to take care of all this. And I want you, you're going to manage all this and then, then he created the animals because Adam was alone. So the animals start being created. And Adam has the, the, the chance and the opportunity to now name the animals. I wish I could have had that job. Come on, somebody. I mean, that would have been cool, right, to name the animals. I would have had fun. And so anyway, so Adam has the, he's been given the right to name the animals. And then God says this. He says, it's not good for, for man to be alone. I will make a helper that is, who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed the ground, all the wild animals, gave him the wild animals, and then then he comes around, and he he puts Adam asleep, and he takes a rib from Adam, and then he forms the woman from Adam's rib. And then when Adam comes out of the sleep, this is where I want to pick it up, in verse 20, it says this, He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky and the wild animals, but still there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. Now, now if you got your Bible, I want you to see how this is printed on paper. It's an exclamation. An exclamation type of sentence, it's, it's an, I don't know the right word to say, but it's, it's a sentence that exclaims something. There's, there's an emotion that comes with this sentence. Okay. And so it says this, at last the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called a woman because she was taken from the man. Now, Pastor Bubba does a a wedding message, and he says, you know, then then Adam woke up, and he saw Eve, and he went, whoa, man, and then she got the name woman, but actually, (laughs) when you saw your wife, hopefully you said, whoa, man, what's going on, and so Adam exclaimed something in that moment, it got his attention, it shocked him in a sense, if you want to use the word shocked, he wakes up, and he sees this beautiful figure of a woman in his likeness, but not so much in his likeness. And he goes, oh, man. Wow. Think about it. He had never seen a woman before in his life. Right? When I saw Cheryl for the first time, I like, I'd never seen a woman before in my life. When she saw me, she fell on her knees. I mean, it was just, you know, <laughs> it's crazy. That's just because she tripped on something. It wasn't because she was in love with me. It just So verse 24, so this explains why man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. And you need to, you need to underline that verse that they were both naked and they felt no shame. Because I guarantee you some of you are here today and you're carrying some shame from past relationships. Maybe you're carrying some guilt from some things that maybe you've done in the past or some things that you've done recently, and there may be some guilt and some shame that we need to deal with today, and I believe the Holy Spirit is going to deal with that. And, and, and so Adam was formed by God. Every part of Adam was created by God. His head was created by God. His core was created by, by God for certain purposes. His legs were created by God just the way they are for certain purposes, and his feet and all those other things. So, all of his extremities are created by God to do certain things. He gave Adam the ability to reproduce, he gave him the organs and the things that he needs to reproduce life with Eve. And he gave, so when he created Eve, he gave her not the same things, but he gave her all of her different. Uh, extremities and parts so that when she gets with Adam, the two can recreate. You follow me? So sex is not dirty. Sex is not nasty. Sex was actually meant to be holy. Come on. The people that make it dirty are us who pervert it and use it wrongly and see it in the wrong way. Amen? But it is a holy thing. And if you're not careful, you'll come into marriage with some past hurts or past wounds, and you'll bring the dirtiness of what you believe marriage is supposed to be and sex is supposed to be into the marriage, and then you never get to enjoy the fullness of what God wanted you to enjoy, to enjoy. and it was, it's like it was never meant to be. Amen? And so Adam joins with Eve, and you can read the rest of the story. If Adam never gets attracted to Eve, Cain and Abel never show up in the Bible, right? If I don't have the gift of attraction and Cheryl doesn't have the gift of attraction, Virginia, Ethan, and Anna don't exist, right? Attraction is a natural God-given gift to use, not abuse. (laughs) So Virginia and I last week are riding home from church and I start asking her questions and I'm not going to go too far to embarrass her, but I started asking her if she was interested in boys yet. And for her, it was probably the weirdest conversation she's ever had with her dad. But for her dad, I wanted to know if the gift was working. Okay, she's 15 years old. That thing should be working. Right? And listen, I'm not scared of attraction. I'm not scared to teach my kids that you should be attracted to the opposite sex. Or You know what I'm saying? You should. That should happen. It should be a real thing because I want to teach them a healthy way about attraction. I want to teach them how to be attracted to someone healthy before the world teaches them how to do it unhealthy. Come on, somebody. Right? Because listen, if you don't teach your kids, who's going to teach them? The truth is they're going to learn. Right, so we had an awkward conversation, and I love her even more for it, and she's probably more embarrassing me than ever, but I love my girl, she has the gift of attraction, and she's attractive. So how does that work now? Let me play the scenario out for you, so when you When you got boys and girls, okay, this is funny. If you've been in education, you see how it works. You get the young kids that are in kind of like kindergarten, first and second grade. They're clueless, right? I mean, the girl can be the best friend to the boy. You know, and they could pile around and everything's nice and innocent and healthy, right? And just all good and fun and pure. And you go, oh, shit, that's so cute. But then they grow up. So then they start realizing that there's something different about me than her. And so I don't want to be with her because she's different, so I'm going to go hang out with my buddies. So typically when they get a little bit older, the boys go hang out with the boys and the girls hang out with the girls, right? And the boys, they giggle and and build things and destroy things, and they fart and they laugh and they do all these things, right? And then they fart again and they laugh some more, and and girls are like, y'all are gross, on, and girls are over there and they're taking a stick and a piece of paper and they're, they're making a, a chapel and they're, they're marrying the other stick to this stick. And, you know, the girls are like creative and they're all about relationships. Right? Everything's a relationship. Fifi the dog is marrying Jojo the cat and all this other stuff. And so girls are, are doing those things and, and boys are just kind of out of doing their own thing, building and destroying. But then one day, An epiphany happens. And the boy wakes up, much like Adam woke up, and he goes, whoa, man, Susie looks good. What the heck happened to Susie? Where has I been all my life? What? Oh, my goodness. And this is how you know when boys get it. You don't have to tell them to brush their teeth anymore. You don't have to tell them to bathe anymore, right? They start asking you for cologne instead of of bows and arrows, right? Can I just get some cologne this Christmas? Come on. So that's a good indicator that it changed. And then for the girls, it kind of happens almost at the same time, and the girls go, oh, he's looking at me. If I play too good of a girl... Let's just say I practiced <laughs> for the message. That's all. And there's three women in my house, and the dog's been fixed. So you know what I'm saying. I'm, me and Ethan are outnumbered. But. So the girls are like, oh, he notices me. He sees me. Oh, and they like that. They like that attention, right? So they, they start wanting to get that attention. So then they start flirting, and then these, these weird feelings start happening between boys and girls, and they don't always know what to do with them. I think that's why it's important that we teach them about attraction right because i want my kids to understand hey you one day and my sons learning this right here in this moment one day son the light switch is going to flip and you're going to go Shazam <laughs> she looks good right and i want him to understand that that is a gift from god meant to be used by God. Come on, somebody. In a healthy way. Right? I don't want him to be afraid of attraction. In fact, I want to keep the lines of communication open. So that when, when Virginia gets interested in a boy one day before it's time to get married, she can come to me and say, Dad, I got feelings for this boy. That's what I want to establish. I want to open up a line of communication because I don't want her to hide something from me or to feel like she has to hide something from me. See, my mama kept attraction as taboo. And so when I found out about attraction, it was in all the wrong places. You with me? So I learned attraction the wrong way. So therefore, I came into this life of attraction using it the wrong way. And it took me down a road I was never intended to go down. Let me give you this tip. Anything that you try to hide from your kids is only going to stir up their interest in it. Come on, somebody. What you fail to teach them, the world's going to teach them, and how do you know if it's right or wrong? I would rather have the sex talks with my kids than to let JoJo or Bebob at the school tell my boy about sex, Right? Because they ain't got no experience and I'm sure they're going to get it wrong the first time. And so I, I want them to understand the right way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so attraction is a good thing. It's meant for us to enjoy. It's a gift. So number one, attraction is a gift. It's a natural feeling of being drawn to other individuals and desiring their company. Attraction usually shows up in the, in the eyes first. It, it's their appearance Is something that you like. And you got to understand something that beauty, they say beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And what's beautiful to me may not be beautiful to you. Come on, somebody, right? But what's beautiful to me, when I see it, I'm attracted to it. And I want to, I have a desire to want to be next to it or get closer to it, right? And so I have this attraction gift and it's, it's meant to be used the right way. And so when I saw Cheryl the first time, I fell in love first sight, true story. We were at the stands at a Magnese football game. I wasn't playing and I'm sitting in the stands and we had a mutual friend and we're standing there and I look over at this little skinny girl and I go, phew, man. Now, by this time in my life, I've seen a lot of pretty girls, but there was something about Cheryl that got me. And I went, golly, look at that. Didn't even watch the football game. care That was my own team playing. I'm like, I don't care who gets. And so I chased her that night, and we went dancing, and we did all kind of crazy stuff, and I tried to get her number and all these things, and she gave me her number, but the way we were, she lived out of town, so we couldn't make long-distance phone calls from the dorm, so I couldn't call her. So we went through this awkward period of I didn't call. So then I had to find her a couple days later say, hey, can you call me? So that she was offended by that, and. So, my attraction to her started immediately. Her attraction to me started later. Come on, women. You know what I'm talking about. Right? I mean, I, I, okay, I got to confess. I lied a little while ago. She did not trip and fall in love with me, okay? I just, in case you accidentally believe that. It, it wasn't until I wore shorts in front of her and she seen my massive bowed-up thighs that she was like, boom, Lord Jesus. And she almost felt it. Like that's when it really happened. But her first thoughts of me were, "Oh gosh, this is a dumb jock. Dear goodness!" <sighs> it's like she had to put up with me or something. You know, she tells that I'm go, "Golly, did you? <laughs> didn't I look good? I had hair and everything." I'm like, "Ah, I had hair. I had a credit card from my mama and a bag phone. I mean, I was rolling." You younger folks don't know what that is. It was a cell. The first cell phones was in a black bag about that big. had a big antenna sticking out and a long cord that you had to keep it plugged in. (laughs) But attraction is a gift. It's a gift from God to us. And you should never lose your attraction gift. I was taught at a later age when I was discipled by somebody that you got to be careful what you look at. And as men, we do have to be careful at what we look at. But you cannot deny that when somebody or a woman walks in front of you and she is attractive, that you find her attractive. When you fall into sin is when you look too long. There's a difference between, between saying, that's an attractive lady, and then going, man, whoa. You follow me? That's where the sin comes in. But I was taught that you can't even look, so I went around the world. I'm, I'm thinking, dear goodness, i got to go out into the world, and I can't, I mean, what if she walks in front of me? I'm supposed to live a life like this? I mean... How do you do that? You got to deal with it properly. I'm attracted to that. They're an attractive person. I just got to guard my heart not to fall in sin with it. Come on, and that—that's a gray area that you got to be very, very careful of. Amen. So the book of of Song of Songs or Song of Solomon is where we're going to be most in, in, in most of this series, and I, I encourage you to read this book. Um, it's on page 554 in my, 545 in my Bible, but it's the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon. I encourage you to read this with your spouse, okay? And now, if you're, if you're engaged, don't read this. If you're dating, don't read this together, okay? <laughs> it's not good. But if you're married, I want you to read this book together, and I want you to try to understand it. It's a little deep, but it's, a, it's just a great book in the Bible, And it's for us. And God put it in there to help us with our marriage. Amen. So verse 2 of chapter 1 says this, To kiss me and kiss me again, for your love is sweeter than wine. When we look at the Bible, we see attraction all over the place. Never do I read in Scripture that we're not supposed to be attracted to someone else. You with me? I, I don't see the Bible preaching against attraction. When I, when I read the story of Adam and Eve in the first sight, attraction. When I read the story of, of Jacob and Rachel, attraction. It says in verse 17 in the, in, the, in the book of Genesis, it says that she was beautiful in form and appearance. The Bible talks about her beauty. It talks about her attraction. Are you with me? Proverbs 5, 9 says to let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. God's called us to 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 when we're married to be in, be attracted to one another and for to stay attractive. Right? Mm-hmm. To stay attractive, to stay madly in love. If you'll keep throwing wood on the fire, you'll keep having heat. Pretty simple. Less wood, less heat. You see, the temptation we all face is that when we get older and we get comfortable, we don't want to go split some wood. Right? We don't want to carry the wood in the house and put it on the fire. But I'm good. Oh, we just love to stay home. Listen, I understand that. Sometimes we get the kids out the house so we can enjoy the house. Okay, but that's not the only thing we do. You with me? So you got to keep throwing the logs on the fire to keep it, to keep it going. Your spouse should always be your standard of beauty. And, and get this, if, if you find your wife or wives, if you, if you understand from your husband that he is more attracted to you when your hair is a certain way, then dear Jesus, fix your hair that way, Right? Don't tempt him to go fall in love with somebody else who got that hairstyle. Man, if she likes you without your gut hanging over your belt, then, then do something about it. Come on, somebody. She's never told me that, so I'm good. It's, it's the legs. It's the legs. I just sit here, get in the morning, do some squats, keep them thighs big, and, and wear my short pants at the house. and She's happy, happy, happy. If he likes you in a certain pairs of, pair of jeans, wear the jeans? My wife's got jeans that look like she's going to work on the farm and I don't really care about them, but then she's got those jeans. And when she wears those jeans, I feel anointed and appointed. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Talk about make a man go find a babysitter and take a woman out. Good pair of jeans. Women, you don't know the power you possess. So, number one, attraction is a gift. Number two, beauty is vain. Although beauty suggests attraction, according to scripture, beauty can be deceptive. <laughs> That's why you got to be careful with your attraction because it can be deceptive. The Bible talks clearly about the woman that comes all dude up, all done up, trying to get your attention and become a distraction. The Bible says you got to be careful with that, it can be a deception. Don't be wowed by that. Be wowed by the one that God gave you, right? And beauty is in vain. So if you fell in love with your spouse just by the way they look, you're going to have to do some work because there's a day coming where it's going to start to sag and drag. Can I get a witness? Come on. Hey, it's just the truth. Enjoy it while you're young when it's nice and firm and everything feels tight and right. But let me tell you, it's going to sag and drag. Just saying, it's the truth. Hopefully in the process of sagging and dragging, you fell in love with the inside. Where the beauty really lies. Come on. I mean, I used to have thoughts, you know, I was, we'd be married and I'd be bowed up the whole time. And, you know, she would be firm and it just don't happen. Kids came for one thing. Then age came and then pain came and sore muscles came and right. But I'm here to tell you, I'm more in love with my wife than I've ever been. She is my best friend, my very best friend. And it didn't take me long when she wowed me with her looks, though I thought she was a bit skinny. I said, she just gotten over being sick and she was like real skinny, still attractive. But it didn't take me long when I saw the inside of her, when I saw that she had life. That she when, when Cheryl walks in the room, the light gets brighter. You with me? She got this thing on her. And that's the thing I love is that when she walks in, it's like, hey, how you doing? And everybody kind of goes. So when my wife's around, I'm at full alert. And I love that about her. I love her tender side. And I've discovered the beauty that's inside of her. And it's so much better than the beauty that was on the, that is on the outside. Are you with me? On her best day on the outside compares nothing to what's on the inside. And that's what keeps me coming home every day. That's what keeps me from taking a job where I got to go sleep with a bunch of men. That's what just keeps me at the house. You follow what I'm saying? I love my wife. I didn't marry her to leave her. I married her to chase her. And I will chase her till the day I die. I've already warned her. So beauty is vain. Proverbs 625 says this. Do not desire her beauty in your heart and do not let her captivate you with her eyelashes. Scripture repeatedly challenges us to get beyond external appearances and consider beauty of the heart. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23. He was talking to the, the scribes and the Pharisees. He said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and uncleanness. So you outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Physical beauty will not sustain your marriage. Physical beauty will not sustain your marriage. In fact, the Bible says that it's it's not as profitable to take care of your physical body as it is to take care of your spiritual body. I claim that verse for myself. That's why I don't go to the gym. I'm like, Lord, I'm working on the inside. Nobody said amen. When you look at David and Bathsheba, David fell because he fell in love with her outside and not her inside. Right? Samson and Delilah, he was was woed by her outside appearance that led to his destruction. You got to be careful because beauty is vain and you need to get to the inside and find out what's on the inside. And let me tell you something. The only way you can do this is to spend time together. The only way you can do this is to have communication. You got to talk. Here's the other thing. The only way you learn about the, per- the other person's inside is sometimes when you fight. <laughs> no amens on that one, huh? Yeah, I don't blame you. But sometimes in our nastiest fights, we come out of that closer than we went into it. Are you with me? So I don't I don't encourage fighting, but if it happens, and it will happen, Draw closer to each other. Number three, character says that you care. Remember, we're falling in love with the inside. You were attracted to her by the outside. You need to stay attracted to her or him by the inside. And that's called character. And let me tell you something. Character is not seen much today. When you look at the world around us in the church and even outside the church, character is a rare commodity. Character is who you are when nobody else is watching. The true test of character is when you know that you know that you know that you're not going to get caught. What do you do? That's character. When you're in a moment and there's opportunity sitting in front of you and you look around and nobody's watching. Do you have character or not? Because if I have character, if I guard my heart and I guard my mind and I guard my eyes and I guard those things, I'm saying to Cheryl that I care about you. I'm saying to her, I don't want you to worry when I leave the house. I don't want you to fret about me because you see me the other day take a glance at Betty over there. I don't want that to happen. You're right. So I'm going to build some character in my life. To have good character, you need some people that can come and hold you accountable. Accountability is one way to build character. Jesse Duplantis said it like this He said, If you got a lust problem, tell your wife about it. You won't have a lust problem anymore. <laughs> right? <laughs> Just think about that. Baby, I've been lusting after some other women. <laughs> Never happened again. I'm healed. Character says that you care. Character is the only thing that lasts in marriage. Can I trust her? Can I trust him? Does she trust me? Do I trust her? You with me? And let me let me say this: Sometimes we fall. Sometimes we fail. God will forgive us. But isn't it funny how sometimes our spouses won't forgive us? The true test is is that if your spouse falls, can you forgive them and learn to trust them again? Proverbs 31.10 says that an excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. Characters should be valued more than jewels. There's shows on TV today like Caught on Camera and Cheaters and all these other different shows that I don't watch but I hear about. And there's people that are constantly getting busted doing something they're not supposed to do. Look at politics. Politicians walking out of a hotel room kissing on a girl. Ain't even his wife. Right? Right? character is, is valuable it's needed it's the most important and we got to have it and you got to ask yourself the question and you got to get honest with yourself do i stare and do i fantasize do i keep my thoughts captive let me tell you something just because i'm a preacher just because i'm married for 18 years doesn't mean that i'm not tempted Doesn't mean that the devil's not after me. In fact, that just puts a bigger bullseye on my back, because he'd love to tear this big brother down. Because if he tears me down, he's going—he's going to do something to every one of you. I'm tempted. I'm just going to be real. I'm tempted, but I've got a responsibility to maintain my character. And what I do is, I typically take every thought captive. I got to go into war mode all of a sudden and say, God. Help me, Lord. I'm sorry. Lord, help me. Help me. Lord, I take every thought captive. I bring it to the obedience. Come on. And sometimes that's not enough. Sometimes I got to go to a friend or even to my wife and say, hey, look, I'm tempted in this area. Will you help me? Will you hold me accountable? I go to my pastor. He looks at me, goes, man of God, you looking at things you ought not be looking at. Right. You got to fight for character. You got to fight for integrity. I remember one time, I'm going to share this about my wife and it was it was a one-time thing and I walked into the room. She didn't know I was in the room and she was talking to a friend on the phone and I walk into the room behind her. She didn't know I'm there and she's putting me down on the phone. And I remember walking, in; I'm like, oh, hunky-dory. You're like, hey, mm-hmm, wonder what she's wearing today. Kids went home. I walk in, I'm here to talk, and talking. I go, I sat there with a broken heart and I went, God. And she saw me. And she quickly got off the phone. And she came into the room and she repented. And I forgave her. And she hasn't done it again. You follow me? Character is who you are when nobody else is around. It's valuable. It's important. You got to work at it. It's not just something that naturally happens. It would be nice to say I was born with 90% character. It just don't work like that. I was probably born with no character and had to develop it. And God developed it in my life. And then he gives me grace to sustain it. Amen. So what do you do when your spouse falls? Is that your ticket out? Is that your get to be mad free card? Is that your cold shoulder permission? Is that your this is it? I'm out. Because where we're going right now is we're going to talk about covenant versus contract. And when you marry somebody in the, God, in the eyes of God, you've not made a contract with them. You've made a covenant with them. And there's a big difference in contract and covenant. A contract you can get out of. A covenant, only death do you part. Come on, somebody. You have cell phone contracts all around you, right? There's everything. Satellite, contract. Your home mortgage is a contract, right? If they, if they choose to not provide you service, you can get out of that contract legally, right? And everything's fine. How do you see your marriage? Is it a contract? Is it where I provide 50% of this and they provide 50% of that? Is it a 50-50 contract? If that's the case, then when somebody falls, you're good to go. Right? You're good to walk out. You're good to say it's over with. Or you good to go do something back to them. If it's a covenant, you can't get out. Unless by death, the Bible says. But if you see your marriage as a contract, then you act a certain way. But if you see your marriage as a covenant, then you act another way. Right? If you see it as a contract, then you can, you can find loopholes in it if you're looking for it. If Cheryl wanted to, she could find loopholes to get out of our contract if that's the way the marriage was, was, was built, if that's the way she saw it. I've done given her plenty of opportunities. I've broken the contract. She has the right to get out at any moment. Are you with me? But she don't see it that way. She sees it as a covenant marriage. Then the covenant marriage says, I'm not leaving no matter what. I'm here till death do us part. I heard a great story. Greg, was, Greg and Lisa were sharing with me at the funeral home. And I think it was Lisa's dad. Lisa's dad wears his wedding ring. And his wife's been gone for how many years now? 15 years. And so he kept wearing his wedding band. Most older men, when they, their spouse dies, they take the ring off and this and that. And so Lisa one day says she's going to go tell her daddy that he could take his wedding ring off. So she goes and she says, Dad, you know, mom's been gone for a while. You know, I mean, you don't have to wear your wedding ring anymore. And he, he made this profound statement to her. He said, when we got married, I said, till death do us part. And I ain't dead. So he still wears his wedding ring. And I go, man, that that brother's in it for the long haul. Had opportunity to get out, but never took it. You see, how do you see your marriage today? How do you see your relationships today? Is it a contract or is it a covenant? Where are you at? Because if you see it as a contract, then there's always going to be a way out. But if you see it as a covenant, I'm here for the long haul. I'm not leaving thick and thin (laughs) hair, no hair, (laughs) right? Skinny or fat, sick or well, are you in? You see a covenant relationship is a hundred, a hundred. It's not 50, 50. It's 100, 100. And the true measure of selfless love is when you're giving to your spouse and you're getting nothing in return and you just keep on giving. That's selfless love. And that's what it takes to keep a good marriage going today. Amen? So I don't know where you're at today. Amy, would you come play for us? I don't know where you're at in your relationships. I don't know where you're at in your marriage. I don't know what you're going through. I've sat through some marriage counseling before and, It's sad to say, but sometimes it gets stale. Right? If we were honest with each other this morning, we would say, you know what, Pastor, sometimes just not attracted. (laughs) Cheryl and I got this thing, when we fight sometimes, you know, the occasional once a year fight we have. We'll get mad at each other and one of us will usually look at the other one and go, you still love me? And it's usually me saying that. And she say, yeah, I still love you. I just don't like you very much right now. And you know what? I'm good with that because I know that sometimes in marriage, we don't like each other. Sometimes we got to get away. Sometimes I got to go find my old buddies and fart and play with sticks and... <laughs> do all those things and sometimes she needs to go with her girls and do her things and all that kind of stuff but never for too long because I miss her I miss her she is my best friend and she's funny and she's a firecracker and I love you I love you baby So sometimes it gets stale. Sometimes it gets old. Rekindle it. Stir it up. This morning, I just want to pray for you. And I want to pray that God comes in with one of those blower things that you'd use to blow and stir up a fire. I'm praying this morning that the Holy Spirit comes in and just breathes on your marriage. So would you stand with me this morning? Because I'm just believing for great marriages in this church it has been prophesied. It's been told and. It's for us. We're going to have great marriages because here's the deal. Is your marriage is a reflection of your relationship with Jesus. The Bible talks about Jesus coming back to get his bride. It's a wedding. It's a relationship. We are the bride. He is the groom. So my marriage is a reflection of Christ. Amen. So just lift your hands towards heaven this morning. As I just pray for you, and I just want to release over you just a fresh breath of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I come to you right now. And I just pray for every marriage in this room that, Father, you just breathe fresh and new. Just fan the flames, Lord. Stir the man up to go out and do something he hasn't done before. To get a babysitter, Lord. To make reservations. To book a hotel. To get away, Lord. Lord. I pray you just stir it, Father, just fan the flames right now, Lord. I pray you stir up this gift of attraction for one another, Lord, that it's not just the outside, though the outside is important, Lord, it's the inside and where the character is found and where the real beauty is, Lord. Help us to see the beauty in one another this morning, Father. Stir it up in us, Lord. Revive these marriages, Father. Stir them up fresh and new. And for those that are engaged and and thinking about marriage, Father, right now, I just pray you continue to to just help them with their attraction gift. And Lord, help them to just sit through a series like this and, and just glean from you what it is that I need to do, what it is that I need to look forward to. How is it meant to be? Because, Lord, I believe how it's meant to be is not how all of us are living. Lord, you intended for our relationships to be fruitful. You gave Adam the instructions to multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. I pray that, Lord, that as men, we learn to breathe life into our wives. We encourage them and we, we talk good about them and we just build them up, Lord. We tell them how beautiful they are. Lord, for women to respect and Love and encourage their husbands. Lord, I thank you for this morning. You want it to be good, Lord. You want it to be holy and pure and fun and... You even want it to be sanctifying, Lord, this marriage we have. And I thank you for that.